It's Hick at Night with Ryan Hickey. Yes, you are, and thank you for joining us right here on CBS Sports Radio. It is Ryan Hickey here with you on this Tuesday. It's been, I will admit, a testy Tuesday to say the least. I'm fighting with the college football playoff committee. I got Georgia fans fighting me. I got Florida State fans fighting me. It's been a very combative Tuesday to say the least here as we do wind down November. So I promise we're going to try to make the show calm. Everyone's going to be civil. Put the swords down. We'll be all right. We'll make it through the next hour here or so. But I do want to, in 20 minutes, circle back to the college football playoff rankings that were just released about two hours ago. I want to circle back to the rankings and really the three biggest takeaways I have from the penultimate college football playoff rankings heading into conference championship weekend. But before that, I want to circle back and make one more point about last night's Monday night football game. And because I think today, a lot of the discussion, a lot of the focus was on the Bears and their quarterback situation. Should they keep Justin Fields? Should they trade Justin Fields? Did last night show that he's done and let's go get Caleb Williams or Drake May in the draft and use that number one overall pick the Panthers have to, uh, to get a new quarterback in town? What I want to focus on is the coaching. Because I think right now the Bears' bigger problem than quarterback is coaching. Matt Eberflus, head coach, Luke Getze, offensive coordinator, they ain't it. They ain't it. I mean, did you watch that game yesterday? The Bears must have called, what was it, 50 screen passes in a row? The only difference was, was it a wide receiver screen? Was it a running back screen? Was it a dump off? I mean, every single time there was a pass play called, Justin Fields was not allowed to throw the ball more than five yards. It's a miracle they won that game. That offensive game plan and play calling was absolutely pathetic. But what also that told me was, because thinking to myself, okay, maybe that's about Justin Fields. But I'm like, if they bring in a different quarterback, Caleb Williams, Drake May, how much is changing? And my conclusion was, not a whole hell of a lot. I don't think if you change out the quarterback, things are drastically different in Chicago. I don't think more wins are coming. I don't think this is a playoff team if you just add Caleb Williams or Drake May. And I think the bigger impact for this Browns team would be getting a better head coach versus a different quarterback. And that's why if I'm the Chicago Bears holding that number one pick right now thanks to the Carolina Panthers, I am trading for a head coach. I am using that number one overall pick, and I am trying to dangle that to any coach I like to try to trade for them to have them be the Bears head coach. I am calling the Rams to try to get Sean McVay. I'm trading, or I'm calling, I should say, the 49ers to try to get Kyle Shanahan. I'm calling the Giants to try to lure Brian uh, Dayball out west. I am calling, or Midwest, I am calling the Colts to try to get Shane Sykin to town. Those four head coaches specifically, I absolutely would trade the number one overall pick for because all four in different ways have shown you they are great offensive minds, 
and it doesn't matter who is around them, they can win with whatever. And that's what the Bears need. Because I think, again, you don't need Caleb Williams or Drake May to come in and be the savior. Because if you expect that, you are going to end up just like Justin Fields, just like Mitch Trubisky, just like every other quarterback the Bears have ever had they've never had a franchise quarterback. The Bears and a lot of other teams make the same mistake. You cannot think or expect a college quarterback to come to your franchise and be the cure-all. There are no saviors, or I should say that, because there are some exceptions. Rarely, very rarely, are there situations where just a rookie back, a rookie quarterback comes in and all is saved. Things turn around night and day. Andrew Luck did it with the Colts back in 2012. You could argue Joe Burrow has done a 180 for the Bengals franchise, but those guys are few and far between. And so if you're the Bears, that's why I don't think if you draft Caleb Williams number one or Drake May number one, I don't think a lot is changing. And I think in three or four years, we are talking about the Bears being in the same spot where they're picking high in the draft. And the question is, should they keep Caleb? Should they keep Drake? Or should they draft Arch Manning with the first overall pick? They need coaching. They need a coach that can get the most out of whatever quarterback is under center. And that's why I would rather give up my first overall pick and get a coach versus a quarterback. Because I know no matter who is under center, Sean McVay is going to have a lot more success than we are having right now. Sean McVay last year just alone won games with John Wolford and Baker Mayfield. Go back to 2020. Say what you want about Jared Goff. Sean McVay got Jared Goff to a Super Bowl. Then in 2020, Jared Goff breaks his thumb on his throwing hand. John Wolford gets hurt. Was going to roll into a playoff game with John Wolford in Seattle. John Wolford gets hurt. And Sean McVay wins a playoff game with Jared Goff as his quarterback playing with a broken right thumb. This is a guy who can win with anyone. Shane Steichen right now has the Colts in a playoff spot despite the fact that Gardner Minshew has played in 10 of 11 games this year, and yet the Colts are still a top 10 offense in the league. Kyle Shanahan, he goes through quarterbacks left and right in part because he knows he can win with whoever's there. His system is more important than the quarterback, which is why Brock Purdy can come and be Mr. Relevant and lead the 49ers after stepping in as a starting spot, being the third-string quarterback last year, Lead them to the NFC title game, no problem. Brian Dayball got the best two years out of Josh Allen, molded what was a raw, powerful stallion, and made him a beautiful racehorse, and then took Daniel Jones in the one year he had him, got the Giants to the playoffs, and fooled the Giants into thinking that Daniel Jones is a good enough quarterback when they gave him $40 million a year. Dayball, Steichen, McVay, Shanahan. All have shown you, no matter who's under center, they win games. They can have a successful offense. That is why if I'm the Bears, I'm saying, you know what? We got to break the streak here. Instead of running it back with Eberflus, running it back with Getze, firing both and trying to now go down the assistant route and hope that you can entice Ben Johnson, who, by the way, I think is going to have more attractive job offers in L.A. with the Chargers in Buffalo with the Bills versus what you have right now in Chicago. I think if you're the Bears, 
you have to go the sure thing route when it comes to head coach. And that's why I am pulling my resources and I'm trading for a head coach. I'm not taking a risk with Jim Harbaugh. I'm not hoping to hit, you know, the assistant route the way the Dolphins did with Mike McDaniel and have this guy out of nowhere be an offensive genius. The time with playing games is over. The Bears got to get serious. And now that you have this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity where you have the number one overall pick and the number four overall pick at your disposal, use those resources wisely. And you could use them in terms of getting Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr., Caleb Williams and an offensive lineman, Drake May and Marvin Harrison Jr. There are plenty of ways you can use that number one and number four overall pick. I think the wisest way to do so. I think the closest thing, you know, to a sure thing you can do with those two uh, top four picks is trading one for a bona fide winning head coach and then listening to what the head coach wants to do. I don't know if he likes Bo Nix. I don't know if he likes Michael Penix Jr. I don't know if he likes Jaden Daniels. Maybe he likes none of those guys and says, you know what? Give me Marvin Harrison Jr. at at four. Give me Keon Coleman. Give me the best left tackle you got. Whatever. Maybe they say, I'll keep Justin Fields and work with him. But either way, if McVay says, I like this guy, I would trust him. If Shanahan says, I like this guy, even though the Trey Lance swing and a miss thing happened, I would trust him. Steichen, Dayball, same thing. So in a way, if you're the Bears, right, because you have missed a lot of head coaches, You've also missed a lot on quarterbacks. They missed with Mitch. By the way, I I think half of it was Mitch Trubisky's just a bad quarterback. The other half, though, was he was never put in a position to succeed because Matt Nagy is a stubborn head coach that never adjusted his scheme for the players he had. And Justin Fields, like I still think Justin Fields can be a good NFL quarterback. He still shows enough flashes where if I was a team like the Vikings that have a great wide receiver, a creative, offensive-minded head coach, I would take a risk absolutely in trading for Justin Fields this offseason and think I can do enough to have him be a good NFL quarterback, a winning NFL quarterback. I think Fields' his time in Chicago is up, but his failures are not all on him. I don't think the coaching staff, both the Nagy coaching staff and the Eberflus coaching staff, have done enough to put him in a position to succeed. I would take the risk if I'm the Bears, or if, excuse me, if I'm the Vikings, of bringing him in and thinking we have the pieces where he could be successful. But if I'm the Bears, I'm making sure that if the next quarterback fails, it's because they stink, not because the coaching staff was bad. And that's why with the number one overall pick, I'm not using it to draft Caleb Williams. I'm not using it to draft... Drake May or Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm using it to trade for a head coach and get a sure offensive mind on my team. So 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. You could tweet me at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. If your team, your NFL team, was in the position the Bears were, where they had the number one and number four overall pick. Would you use it to draft Caleb Williams or Drake May? 
Or would you do what I would do and trade for a uh, trade for a head coach? Call the Rams. Call the Niners. Call the Giants. Call the Colts. And get a head coach that you know, no matter who's your quarterback, you have a chance to win with. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Love to hear your thoughts on that. Also, again, when we return, the latest college football playoff rankings are out. I want to give you the three biggest takeaways as we head into conference championship weekend from what the committee did put out there and how they did rank those teams after last Saturday. I'll give you those thoughts and my reactions when we do return. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on where else but CBS Sports Radio. This is Hick at Night. Here's Ryan Hickey. Welcome back in. Ryan Hickey with you on CBS Sports Radio. If you have missed any part of the show so far, do not fret. We got you covered. Oh, shoot. I'm in a tough spot. Sorry for that. I had to sneeze. I thought it was coming. And it passed. Darn it. That's the worst feeling. One of the worst feelings. All right. Hopefully, I'll get that sneeze back at some point soon. Um, but as I was saying, um, check out the Hick at Night podcast. Night spelled N-I-T-E. If you miss any part of the show so far up to this point, or maybe you're going to leave us very soon. Stinks, I know, but you're busy. Hey, no problem. So keep up and up to date with the show, what's going on here at your listening convenience. So make sure you do check out the Hick at Night podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E, wherever you do get your podcasts. And if you like looking at the ugly guys talking about sports, check me out on YouTube as well. Just search Ryan Hickey, post a lot of video content as well throughout the week, but also when I do host here on CBS Sports Radio, give you some of my thoughts and takes in video version as well. All right, I got takes from the latest college football playoff rankings, and here they are. In case you missed it, the penultimate college football playoff committee rankings were released uh, about two hours ago, and here they are. Georgia is one, Michigan two, Washington three, Florida State four, Oregon five, Ohio State six, Texas seven, Alabama eight. So obviously on the surface, Michigan goes from two to three. Ohio State was number two. They dropped down to number six. And for the most part, everyone else kind of shuffled shuffled up. Washington moved up a spot from four to three. Florida State moves up a spot from five to four. Oregon stays where they were. And again, Ohio State uh, nestles in right there at number six. First takeaway is this. Why is Michigan not number one? The Michigan Wolverines, right? Let's just also remember this. Important uh, key here. The rankings are a week-by-week basis, right? We judge, for the most part, based on what we saw the previous Saturday. The previous Saturday, we just saw Michigan beat the number two team in the country and Georgia struggle against Georgia Tech. How is that not enough right there to move Michigan from three to one? Like, How do you not reward a team that just beat the number two team in the country and reward them by moving them up, uh, moving them up just two spots. You can't do that. How is that? Like, what are we talking about? Georgia struggled against Georgia Tech. Michigan beat Ohio State. What is there left to decide? How can you justify Georgia still being number one? And if you want to tell me it's all the body of work, well, Ryan's. 12 weeks taken into account here. Fine. 
Michigan has wins over number two Ohio State. And if you want to even, you know, how about this? Let's go by the current rankings. Not when they play. Let's go right now with this latest version of the committee rankings. Michigan then has wins over number six Ohio State and number 10 Penn State. Michigan has two top 10 wins in the country. No other team can say that. Georgia has beaten number nine Missouri. Number 11 Ole Miss. By the way, both of those games at home, the win over Penn State on the road. So Michigan's resume overall this season is more impressive than Georgia's. And they just pulled off the biggest win of the season to date by beating number two Ohio State. That is grounds to move you up from three to one. That is takeaway number one. Takeaway number two. It is embarrassing that Florida State is still in the top four as we speak and presumably our one Louisville win away from being in the college football playoff. They are not a top four team. They are not a top eight team. They don't have a good win to prove it. And they don't have right now a a resume where if you don't have top wins, you at least got to take care of business and blow out bad teams. They have not done that. Style points matter this year more than ever. When you have eight teams going into the final weekend of the season, still alive to make the playoff. Style points matter. Who you play matters. Strength of schedule matters. Florida State loses every single aspect of that. They're the only team in the top eight without, um, or really top seven, I should say, only team in the top seven without a victory in the top ten, without a top ten win. Their best win being right now number 13, LSU. They're not going to get that this weekend because they're playing number 14, Louisville. They played Florida, who also had a backup quarterback on Saturday, and the Gators outgained the Seminoles. Outgained them. Every three quarters, outplayed them. Florida State has played close calls against Boston College, Clemson, Pitt, Duke, Miami. I would even say North Alabama, you're down 13-0 in the first quarter. Give me a break. And now Florida. Six, depending on how generous you are or harsh you are, seven of the 12 wins Florida State has this year, they have played down to their competition. In a year where style points matter, how can you say a team without a top 10 win and a team that in the worst conference has played down to their competition and played consistently closer games than they should have been seven out of 12 games, that they are a top four playoff team? Not this year. Hell no. The committee, I know for a fact, they will not make the tough decision they have to make in terms of leaving... Florida State out if they uh, if they win on Saturday. And that's why the, the Cardinals need to win. We cannot have Florida State in the playoff. That would be an absolute travesty. That's takeaway number two. Takeaway number three is Ohio State's still alive. Buckeyes there at number six. Their path to the playoff is very simple. Georgia beats Alabama. Michigan beats Iowa. Washington beats Oregon. Those three teams, all of them 13-0, Georgia, Michigan, Washington, all in. If you have Florida State lose to Louisville, they're out. 
Oregon losing to Washington, two losses, they're out. Texas does need to lose to Oklahoma State, two losses, they're out. Alabama losing to Georgia, they're out. Ohio State's getting that fourth spot. Ohio State is going to go from six to four and be, for the second year in a row, in the college football playoff despite losing to Michigan at the end of the year. They have a better resume than Florida State. If we're talking about one-loss teams, Florida State, just like Ohio State, would not be a conference champion. There is no argument. If Florida State loses, if Oregon loses, if Texas loses, if Alabama loses, all possible. No argument for any other team making the playoff over Ohio State. Their path is wide open. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. You could tweet me at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. I want to hear your biggest takeaway from the latest college football playoff rankings. Lee is calling from Cincinnati. What's up, buddy? Hey, Ryan. Thanks for taking my call. And my biggest takeaway is this. The committee is totally going against what they said they were going to do. They said that they were going to take that last year didn't make a single solitary bit of difference. It's all on this year. If you put everything all on this year, you're absolutely right. Michigan should be number one ahead of Georgia beyond any shadow of doubt. And FSU shouldn't be in there. But the, my problem is, is that because with what you were saying, though, you know, you think there should be subjectivity. I think you should try to take the subjectivity out. I mean, let's face it, that's why we have replays, to try to take out the human error, you know, to try to make sure that the right calls are made. But the, going to the 12-team playoff, you're not going to have the teams that deserve to be there left out. You'll have some teams right. that probably shouldn't be there that will be in. So that way, what I think you should do is get rid of the committee next year Go back to the BCS formula, okay, with the 12-team playoff, and that way you will have all the teams that deserve to be there. The teams that have the eye test are going to be good enough. that They're going to be in, and you won't have forces like FSU possibly getting. FSU reminds me, if you remember Cincinnati back when they were in basketball, when they lost Kenyon Martin right before the NCAA playoff. Mm-hmm. You remember that? And they were the yep. number one team in the nation, and then they couldn't beat anybody because Kenyon Martin was by far the best. It's the same with Florida State losing Jordan Travis. They're going to be the same way, okay? And But unfortunately, there was enough teams in the I mean, NCAA playoffs where that didn't make a difference. That wasn't that big a deal that Cincinnati right. got put up so high. But with FSU, it is. Next year, if it was, were next year, it wouldn't be so bad. But this year, if FSU is one of the top four, I think it's a total farce. You're absolutely correct about that. Lee, I appreciate the call, buddy. I am 100% with you. And that's why I think, like, sub, like, you need the committee. Like, the committee was created, right? We got away from the computers, and we got away from the BCS because you needed the human component and the eyes to say, yeah, you can punch numbers in, but how does this team look? Like, who truly is the best with how they look and who they play? You can't judge that, and there are certain factors a computer cannot take into account. And that's why when you look at right now how Florida State plays, constantly playing down to their opponents, constantly having close calls against bad teams, while also, on the other hand, having, you know, Michigan have impressive wins. Georgia now, the last part of their season, have impressive wins. If Alabama, like, we could have a situation where if Alabama beats Georgia, if Oregon beats Washington, we're going to have four teams sitting there 12-1 and one alone. How do you figure that out? You use subjectivity. You say, who have you beaten? Head-to-head matters. Whose strength of schedule is important and and who's as impressive, who is not. And you pick the four best teams 
when the circumstances are tough based on who deserves it. And Florida State in that discussion, I think, should lose every single time. I hope, I mean, I hope you're not sitting here on Monday talking about a playoff that involves Florida State. I really do not. That would be just an absolute disaster. Steven Zagger does tweet at Ryan underscore Hickey in the number three. Saying that the college football playoff is setting up for a final Pac-12 versus Big Ten in the Rose Bowl. That's why Michigan 2 and Washington is 3. If Oregon beats Washington, Oregon will jump FSU. It's about seeing the best matchups for the Sugar and Rose Bowls. I hope that's not the case. That should not be the case. The committee's job is to not, oh, let's get the, the Pac-12 and the, and the Big Ten together since the Rose Bowl is going away. Um, because the Pac-12 is going under, let's get one more traditional Rose Bowl Pac-12 versus Big Ten opponent. That's not the committee's job. The committee's job is to literally get the four best teams in the playoff. That's it. It's not about well, we don't we want to avoid rematches, so we can't you know put Ohio State and, and Michigan in the playoff and put them next to each other because we can't have them play two times in three weeks. Your job is one and one. It's very simple. Identify the four best teams. That is it. I don't. I don't care how the you, the matchups about which bowl game would be best and which area of the country would, would benefit the most. No, no, no. Who the number one team is should be the number one team. The best team in the country right now should be number one. I don't care about any other circumstance. Number two should be the second best team in the country. Number three, and then number four, so on. That's it. Matchups, previous history what bowl game you're going to, what part of the country you're from, that is all nonsense. Nonsense. The only job of the committee, the only thing each and every waking moment the committee should be thinking about is who are the best four teams in the country, period, stop. Nothing else matters. No Pac-12 versus Big Ten Rose Bowl. Oh, let's make sure we get Oregon, Michigan. That would be a great matchup. No, no, no. Does not matter. Okay. I want to welcome in Marco Belletti to the show. Hello, Marco. What's up, bro? It has been a very contentious show today, and that may continue here. Mm-hmm. I need uh, I need your help, or I have a question to ask you. Okay. Coming off of Thanksgiving, I was with a lot of family and a good amount of friends. And one thing they'd love to make fun of me about is my love for PB&J. And I have been known, and we went away to the Poconos uh, this past weekend to bring with me peanut butter and jelly because I know no one else is going to have it. I want it for lunch. I'm not going to probably eat whatever lunch they're going to have. So I want to be happy and want to have my own thing. So no problem bringing PB&J, very portable, very easy. The one thing people kept saying, my family members, that is, and also, again, people that I've worked here with over the weekend when I was here, was when are you going to grow up? That's a kid's lunch. You are a dad of three young kids. Mm -hmm. Is peanut butter and jelly a kid's lunch? Or is that a universally aged lunch? No, it's fine. You can eat. I'm I'm a little concerned for you, the fact that you have to have it every day and that there are no extenuating circumstances. It's almost like it's your whoopee. That I'm concerned with. No, there are plenty of days I have not had peanut butter and jelly for lunch. Did you get the shakes or something? No, no, I don't know. I'm not addicted to peanut butter. Sure. I, I, yes, I promise you. I prefer it. No, no, no. It's not being addicted to the actual peanut butter. I don't believe there's anything in the peanut butter that has you physically addicted. Mm-hmm. Whoopie means because I think you're mentally addicted to it. Wow. That's what I'm concerned with. Well, I will say, not to brag, but 
I had from the span of Wednesday, Thursday, three days, one peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now I brought it with me, did not have it. Just mm-hmm. one. Those three days. Yeah, you, so no, it's not a a. You might crutch. need to talk to somebody. It's not. Well, I'm. I just. Uh, I'm. I'm a little. I'm a little. Look, it's not the idea. That, look, I, I'm. I'm good with. Is it more of a kid's type of meal? Sure. But as an adult, do you want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? You're an adult. You can do whatever the hell you want, and you can have a peanut butter and jelly. That's not a problem. If you are got stomach issues, I know I can handle this. I'm going someplace. I don't know what kind of food they have. You know what? I don't want to be in... You know, disarray. I don't want to have problems. I don't want to have issues. I don't want to spend my vacation doubled over or in the bathroom all day. I get all that. And then you bring it along and you go, that makes sense. But when you are just, I don't know, to the point where you need it because mentally you can't have something else when you go somewhere else. And if it doesn't bother you, now I'm just concerned because I feel like you, 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 there's some sort of underlying issue. And it's not the peanut butter and jelly. There's an underlying issue no, no, no. there that Here, you haven't I'll, gotten to. I'll explain exactly what it is. It's very simple. It's very easy. Mm. First of all, I don't have to have it every day. I choose to have it every day well. because it is filling, but it's also light. I don't want my lunch to bog me down the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go into a food coma at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. So, but I also want to be full and not be starving. Mm. Peanut butter and jelly is the, is the lunch I have found that is the easiest to make, that is cheap, that also fills myself, fills me up. I don't okay. Say myself fills me up without also feeling like I need a, a two-hour nap after. Okay. And that's why it's the one thing I have consistently found. That's the go-to where most days I don't have two right, hours but when you're to on make. Va- a, when you're on vacation, doesn't that kind of take away the? That's like an everyday type of thing. That's yeah, not but a vacation. When I'm on vacation, thing. I don't really have it. That I bring it. I will admit I bring it, but I don't have it every day. And why bring it? Just in case. So what? You're, I get hungry. You're not going to find food? Well, no. It's like the food options I don't like hmm. or I'm not in the mood for. Okay. That's all. Like, if, like for example, if I'm going to the beach, let's say in the summertime, you go to the beach for the weekend. I'll bring PB&Js to the beach. Do I want to have Chinese food? Do I want to have a burger and fries? On the beach. And weighing me down on the beach? No, I don't. Nah, I admit readily that I'm not a beach guy. Do people normally bring Chinese food and, and burgers and fries to the well, beach? Burgers I feel and fries, like that's, yes. Really? They, they have the beach I go to, and most of them do. Like, you know, you have like a little shack. You know, mm. you got the beach hut. And on at mm. the shack, so for me, I'll order it at night. Like, six o'clock is different. I'm a very much routine guy where if it's six o'clock, a burger and fries, you know what? That sounds pretty damn good. Mind, don't mind if I do. So the time of the day yes. will dictate what you eat. Yes. I've never had, well, that's not true. I rarely have PB and J's after three or four o'clock. So the sun has to be up. Mostly, yeah. Because okay. about that, when you get close to dinner time, it's like, I'm just going to screw I'm just trying, dinner. Ryan, I'm just trying to find all the rules. And I have too many Ryans in the room. I'm trying to find all the rules to figure it all out. Okay. All right. It's just, it's just, it's lunch in the lunch window. Mm-hmm. If I am. Um... So it's not a breakfast food. No. So my wife does have a lot of peanut butter and jelly, like a toast in the morning. No, she does that, do that. Not all the time, but sometimes. No. Especially when she was pregnant. She did that a lot when she was pregnant. Not PB&J is not breakfast for me, not dinner. Hmm. Again, under. Got to have it every day, but you can't have it too early or too late. All right. Okay. Just just your right. normal go-to lunch. Okay. Okay. And I, I've heard it from family members. I've heard it from people here in this building. When I was here on Saturday and Sunday, they said, when are you going to grow up? See, that line I don't care for. I agree. And that's why I'm asking as a, as a 
grown man with also young kids, do you view PB&J as a child lunch? Or is that just a universal, it doesn't matter what age, like... Do I view it as a child lunch? Yes. But do I like other adults telling adults what to do and how to live their lives if it doesn't affect them? No. That's where I that's where it bothers me. Do I believe that they're correct? Yes. But that has nothing to do with anything. See, that's the thing. It's not so, lunchables. I'm not having lunchables where I have the little meat, a little cheese, a little dessert. This is a this is a man meal. Here, here's the thing. Lunchables, in my mind, that was almost something where it was like you had money if you had Lunchables. I know this is where I came from. There's a, you, you had to have money. That, you actually went and bought that, I mean, which is garbage to begin with, but you had to go buy that. That means that you came from a little bit of money. Peanut butter and jelly was more universal. Like Anybody could afford peanut butter or jelly. That was kind of more my level. That's where well, we were. Tr- I was trying to use an example of like what are like right. but meals still, you would eat as a kid that, that you would not like. If you ate it today, thing. it's like, well, what are you doing? Like, same exact thing. Now, you're smarter as an adult. You realize Lunchables are more disgusting, and you should just go get the real, you know, cold whatever it is. Nah, I mean, I guess that's the equivalent. No, nah, not really, because, I mean, that's actual, like, food, and it's, I mean, I don't know about you. I don't want a Salisbury steak with peas and disgustingness. So whatever, but that's different. But Lunchables is still, like, almost kind of sandwich. It's sandwich elements. It's just that the meat itself is kind of nasty. Now, peanut butter and jelly is, I mean, healthy is kind of maybe a strap, but it's not bad for you it's it's good for you in 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 moderation i mean if i had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day i wouldn't be able to fit through the door my fat ass would expand yeah see you say that you can't eat you can eat a jar of peanut butter a day apparently literally my entire life since i was five years good for you at some point your metabolism is going to slow down you ain't gonna be able to do that but that's on you and you figure that out everybody's a little different so i'm not going to get on you for that do i think it's more of a child type of meal yes i do but i also think that you're a grown man you can do whatever the hell you want that's where I come from. Now, you want to be right and be able to do whatever the hell you want? You can't have both. You are wrong that it is a childish type meal. However, you can eat a child meal if you want every day. That's on you. Just don't look for everybody else to be okay with it. That's all. Uh, I, I'm, I am flabbergasted. I would not view that as a child-like meal. I would say it's smart, it's cost-effective, and it gets the job done. Look, it's not a bad thing. And again, you can have it. But is it more of a child-type lunch? Yes. Yeah, so is grilled cheese. And I don't have grilled cheese. Um, I would eat a grilled cheese. It, it is more of a childish type of meal. I wouldn't go to a restaurant and order a grilled cheese. But I if wouldn't you put go to a restaurant and order PB&J? I'm a little concerned that you would bring it and have it in your pocket because it's 12 o'clock in the afternoon and you have to have something lighter. That's my concern. being resourceful. No. See, that's my concern. If you're on vacation and everybody goes to lunch and you go with them, no, what are no, you doing here? No, I go get lunch. What does that mean? You're actually I, I, ordering from the menu? Yes, I eat, yes. And it's not peanut butter and jelly? That's correct. You don't have one in your pocket? No. You're not going to just I'm eat just that? I'm just saying, like, some, like, a lot of people do their own thing. I have a big family, so we all, we split up a lot, and some people get lunch, some people are not hungry. So I just say, you know what, if, for example, I'm not a seafood guy. If you go to the beach, there's always a lot of seafood around. If people say, you know what, I'm, we're going to go to the restaurant close to you, but it's, oh, you can eat crabs and oysters, I say, no, thank you. It's just, you know what it is? Are you laughing? A little bit. All it is is just being prepared, all right? That's all it is. Sue me for being prepared. I think this does stem from some of the underlying issues of being afraid to try different foods that you never tried, which is childlike in its in and of itself. But that's where this stems from. Now, you're wow, not willing. This took a deep turn here. Uh, you're not willing to try different things. That's, that's on you, but you're an adult. You can do whatever the hell you want. If you were younger, we should have bo- broken you out of this mold. We can't now. 
I feel like you're a little too far gone. Someone who um, does not get out of their comfort zone a lot, I will admit. Yeah, you got to learn to do that. I don't know if that directly correlates with peanut butter and jelly for lunch every day. Yeah, I, I, do. I would. I yeah. would disagree with that. No, no, I think I think they're together. I think that's hand in hand. I think that would be the first thing that they would have to break you out of. <laughs> that would be step one. Um. Okay. Well, I really thought you were going to be on my side here. Um, and In a way, I am. Just not the way you want it. Yeah. That's, well, yeah. You can do whatever the hell you want. You've earned that right. But you can't stand there and go, this is not for children. When you have a peanut butter jelly with, like, the crust cut off. I'm sorry. No, it's come still, on. Like I keep the crust on. Although, by the way. You can't have both. You just can't. What I have been hunkering for recently is Uncrustables. Oh. You know, I've never had one. You are missing out. I, I would eat it. I just, I never bought it, so I've never had it. The only issue is they're expensive and they're small. So it's, I was going to say a good investment, but it's really not because I think you're going to get hooked on them and then they're going to go in a day and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I need some more. <laughs> so probably best you stay away. You stay away from the Uncrustables. <laughs> I'll just leave the peanut butter and jelly to me, all right? That's, just, that's, what, that's how we'll end this conversation here. Okay. Leave the PB&Js to yours truly. It's Hick at Night with Ryan Hickey. It is Ryan Hickey on CBS Sports Radio. I really fast here. This week for the Carolina Panthers, I think has proven one thing. David Tepper is basically Daniel Snyder 2.0. Like we thought Snyder was out of the league. He is back in the form of the Carolina Panthers owner. Minus all the disgusting off the field allegations and how he's treated people. Just with how his football moves have been, uh, the moves he has made, the influence he has had, the losing he has helped assist with is why David Tepper is Daniel Snyder 2.0. Look at what, look at so far the first six seasons right now of the Carolina Panthers. Zero, zero winning seasons he's had under, uh, they've had under David Tepper. 30 and 63 record in those six years, second worst in the NFL. Six different head coaches have coached this team. Three coaches have been fired in season in six years, and you've had 10 different starting quarterbacks. With Tepper as the owner, there is no way if you're a Panthers fan, you can feel confident that this direction is going to be a positive one going forward. There is no reason to believe that Bryce Young is going to work out. Not because he himself was a bust, but because Tepper can't put the right people in charge, get the most out of Bryce Young, and put the right people in charge to put a good roster around him. Everything he has touched has failed as Panthers owner. And there's no reason to think brighter days are ahead, especially when you hear him at his press conference on Monday and he's asked a fair question of, well, David, you fired three coaches. You're losing all these games. Is it time you yourself change the way you go about business? And David Tepper said, no way. Things are constantly evolving um, and they'll continue to evolve. And, you know, trying to make things better, is what you always try to do. Um, obviously, that record's not good enough. Um, you know, there's no hiding it. It is what it is, like everything in this sport. Everything's left on the field. Everybody knows what it is every week. Um, that record's that record. And like I said, it's not good enough. We're going to self-reflect and make it better. There's no reason to think it's going to get better anytime soon. Again, he's Daniel Snyder 2.0 because he has a lot of influence. He's constantly giving his thoughts. He's always meddling, but those decisions have turned out to be awful. Every single one, quarterback, head coach, GM, swing, and a miss. 
And you just heard from that clip. He could say, oh, things are constantly evolving. Things are constantly changing. We have not seen any changing in how David Tepper has approached his business, how he's approached his involvement in football decisions. So there's no reason to think if you're a Panthers fan, anytime soon, things are changing for the better. I feel bad for you. Teams truly are, or I should say fans truly are trapped by owners. When you got a bad owner, it's really hard to overcome that for a coach, for players, for team success. And that's what the Panthers are right now. They have Daniel Snyder 2.0. Heavily involved owner, awful decision maker, can't get out of his own way. Panthers are in big trouble. They are in big trouble. My apologies to those listening in Carolina. I hope for brighter days. I'm a big Bryce Young fan, so I hope things work out. Does not look like it. That'll do it for this edition of the show. A big thank you to Ryan Botcher doing a tremendous job producing the show. A big thank you to you for making us a part of your Tuesday right here on CBS Sports Radio. Check out the Heck at Night podcast if you missed any part of the show. I am back with you tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Don't go anywhere. JR Sport Brief is up next. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. It's been Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio.